Chapter 4 of The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Ruhi Huck. The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square by Mrs. Henry Dilla Pasture. Chapter 4 The Funeral jean sat in the london church as one in a dream through the fog which pervaded the building the lights twinkled mistily and a faraway voice pronounced the words of the burial service so slowly that her tired and bewildered brain could not follow the sentences consecutively her attention fixed itself upon the coffin heaped with flowers its shape dimly visible among the surrounding bears and her mind was filled with a vague wild pity for the unconscious occupant upon whose waxen face she had gazed for the last time on the previous day the old servants a small pathetic black-clad group with bent shoulders and whitened heads were together in a pew on the left and the rest of the household a little lower down the church but jean on the right knelt in her pew alone and of other mourners save the lawyer and the doctor there were none how strange that a woman so wealthy should have so few friends thought little jean the tears fell fast upon her new black crape just as i was beginning to love her she thought and now she will never see louis after all that a thing so much desired should not come to pass seemed incredibly sad and astonishing to her if jean had heard at coed ithel of miss marnay's death in london at eighty years old and after a succession of paralytic seizures it would have presented itself to her mind as a most likely and natural event but as it had actually occurred it seemed to her for the moment almost as though the end of the world had come she could hardly even realize it to be true during the long days that had elapsed between her aunt's death and the funeral she had gone over and over the past weeks incessantly in her own mind and lived through the final tragedy a hundred times always possessed by a horror and a pity in proportion to her utter inexperience she lay awake in her isolated chamber with beating heart hearing again and again the flying footsteps in the echoing corridors the hurried summons at the door the silver chiming of the clock in the silent chamber of death the sound of that deep deep breathing that would presently cease for ever but when she recalled her third and last interview with miss caroline she could not but own to herself that her aunt had spoken then much as she might have spoken had she expected to live for another hundred years the habits of a lifetime do not change in a moment even though that moment be the last the little growling dog was caressed the gloved hand still guarded the velvet bag as jealously as though miss caroline meant to take it with her on her long journey she was still anxious to impress upon jean the importance of the marnies of orset and the comparative insignificance of the de corsets she referred to advantages of exclusiveness and emphasized the necessity for taking care of the furniture and the pictures was it possible she could be so near eternity and her mind yet fixed so firmly on things which would presently for her have no existence at all no more sincere and pitiful mourner than little jean could have knelt by that deathbed of her old relation and yet the emotion which possessed her was but the shadow of sorrow and not sorrow itself though it held much of regret 
Very strongly she felt that she might have loved Miss Caroline had she known her a little better. An instinctive sympathy had immediately manifested itself between her and her aunt. But it had come too late. Miss Marney had passed the last years of her long life in solitude, whilst Jean, not much less lonely than her aunt, since she had lost the companionship of Louis, would so gladly have borne her company, and given her the affection of a dutiful and gentle child. Dunham, jealously watching her poor lady's great-niece, though convinced of her sincerity, was touched by the anxiety Jean manifested to learn what her aunt's wishes had been, that she might be certain of acting in accordance with them throughout those dismal days. "'The directions for her funeral were all written long ago, ma'am,' said Durham, whose respect for Jean increased now, that she had beheld in her the sole representative present of the family she had served so long. "'She is to be laid by the side of, of poor Mr. Philip, ma'am, in the family vault. "'No, ma'am, she would not have liked you to travel down with it. "'She had very fixed ideas about what ladies were able to do. "'Mr. Valentine and the doctor will go.' and there'll be some of the old people left down there they'll be present ma'am you may depend you will go to the church miss jane and she was particular as it should be the one she last attended she was always chopping and changing poor dear according as the services went up or down or didn't suit her fancy one way and another you'll go to the church with the rest of us and then there's nothing more to be done ma'am but to wait till mr valentine the lawyer comes and tells you what's been settled so the sad procession wended its way from the church to the station and the men went with it but jean with dunham and mrs pike in attendance returned to the desolate house in grosvenor square where she strove to fulfil the remaining hours of the day by writing a long letter to her brother oh louis it is so dreadful the great house was silent enough before but now that she is really gone it seems a thousand times more empty still reason as one may how cruel it feels to take her out of her beautiful luxurious room away from all the comforts that have always surrounded her poor body away from all the familiar things she has treasured so long and just lay her in a cold stone vault i know it has to come to everybody but it is freshly awful when it comes home to oneself like this but you have seen death so often and so close poor boy that you will hardly understand my feeling i say to myself but what is one old woman whose life was finished to all the young lives that have been cut short in the south african war and yet perhaps because i am alone and you so far away perhaps because this house and every one in it is still so strange to me i cannot get over the horror of it nor the remembrance of it and am so cowardly and afraid at night i try to remember all she said the last morning when i saw her by daylight for the first time and realized that she was really very ill i am glad to recollect she said she was pleased i had come and that she wished it had been earlier but i can't say she was at all like what i expected a dying person to be even then she said providence played odd tricks in rather a complaining way not at all as though it were in any way her own doing poor dear not to have sent for me earlier she spoke of you and asked about your career and praised you for having done so well though brought up in an out-of-the-way form with nothing to inspire you but your own ambition and said how it proved that blood will always tell but she meant the blood of the marneys and not of the de Cossets all the time 
she hoped you were very particular what company you kept she said and it was bad company which led thoughtless young men astray and oh i am afraid she was thinking of poor papa but you would never never be led astray would you louis or fall into the evil ways she spoke of i told her again and again that you have never done anything in your life that you ought not to do and that at the worst you were only a little a very little extravagant in giving presents and things you could not afford i think i comforted her and she said extravagance didn't matter but oh louis that is only because she is so rich she doesn't know what poverty means so don't let it lead you astray to hear she thinks so little of it about me she said she was glad to see i was so very exclusive which is i think her polite way of noticing that i have no friends at all and she liked to think of me in the morning room because dunham told her how very careful i was of the furniture i should hope so you have no idea how beautiful it is again and again she begged me to take care of her things as though i were going to live here all my life as it was a mistake to trust the best of servants and that she liked to know i had a brother so devoted to me as hers had always been to her and that history repeated itself well then dunham came in and said mr valentine had called and aunt caroline said he was to come up at once to her room i thought she seemed a little depressed so i foolishly said how glad i was she had a visitor and i hoped it would cheer her a little she quite drew her head up on the pillow and said solicitors were not visitors and that he had come on business professional callers even though they may be gentlemen my dear jane do not count but of course you could not know that my love i went away directly he came in but i thought he looked a kind old man mrs dunham says he and his father and grandfather have been the marney's solicitors for three generations and have always known all their affairs when i think over that last interview all we said seems rather meaningless and trivial if i had known she was going i would have liked just to thank her for sending for me and to tell her that i was very proud to belong to her for she was an ideal old lady to look at and you would have been proud of her too besides i might have told her that we would both remember her loyally always and other things which would have pleased and comforted her and yet been quite quite true but no instead of all this i sat still and was more anxious to talk about you than to listen to the last words she was ever going to say to me in this world during those long hours when we were all waiting through the night waiting oh how dreadful through the night for her to die she spoke only twice almost as though in her sleep once she said the horse chestnuts are coming out in the avenue i felt that her spirit was a long way off in the past back at orset in the country the springtime and the sunshine the next time it would have been funny if it had not been so terribly pathetic for she said half crying marianne is very cross she won't let me go to the fair so then she must have been a little girl again i hope she died like that and did not go away in the dark thinking of herself as an old woman with nobody but mrs dunham and mrs pike left behind to be sorry for her your photo was under her pillow so i have got it back again at last i wish i hadn't grudged it to her so much it was all like a dream afterwards i shook hands with one or two people but i scarcely know who they were one was the doctor but neither he nor the parson seemed to know her at all well 
Mrs. Dunham said she didn't believe in doctors and changed her church very often. The poor curate evidently did not know exactly what to say, but I suppose he thought he ought to try and comfort me. So he said, God be with ye, instead of goodbye, in a hollow voice, and squeezed my hand so viciously that my ring cut into my finger. I was horrified with myself for feeling more inclined to laugh than to cry, when I am sure he meant so kindly. But when he asked if I was staying on, I explained I should be going back to Coedithel in a few days, so I don't think he'll come again. I wrote to Uncle Roberts and told him when it was all over, and he sent a postcard to say it was a decree of providence and what we must all come to. But he evidently had no idea of coming up for the funeral, as the doctor thought he might, and as I was sure he wouldn't. I am writing this in the morning room, and I will finish it tomorrow when I have seen Mr. Valentine. End of chapter 4